what if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. All right, before you ask, yes. Jada Pinkett Smith and I talk about the Oscars. We talk about what it was like to sit in a chair next to her husband, Will Smith. We'll, we'll get into the husband thing in a second. And watch him go on stage and slap Chris Rock. Yes, we talk about it. Actually, she talks about it more than I thought she would. But as you're about to hear, that night was just one night in what has been a remarkable and complex life. Jada Pinkett Smith is here to talk about that life coming up. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Yeah, if all you know about Jada Pinkett Smith is what happened at the Oscars, there's so much more to her story. Raised the child of two drug addicts in Baltimore, Maryland, works to get out of that home, ends up attending a prestigious art school in Baltimore. It's there she starts this deep friendship with Tupac Shakur, which is all kinds of complicated. Listen, I'll put it this way. Jada auditioned for a role in the TV show, A Different World. The creator, Debbie Allen, was so moved and impressed by the survival of Jada's own life story that she wrote a character based on it. Jada's gone on to be a music video director. She had a new metal band called Wicked Wisdom, a talk show that won a daytime Emmy. And now Jada has a new memoir called Worthy, where she opens up about her story. And what I think you really see in that book, and what I think you're going to hear in this conversation, is someone who people keep talking about, trying her best to take her story back. And as I mentioned, yes, if you're wondering whether Jada would talk about the Oscars slap, the time her husband Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, I was wondering about that too. But we did, at length towards the end of this conversation. She was very open, she was very direct, and she wanted to set the record straight. If you have your phone in your hand and you think about scrolling ahead to that part of the conversation, I get it, I might do the same thing. I wouldn't if I were you. Because as I mentioned, Jada Pinkett Smith has had a remarkable life and she's here to talk all about it. Here's my conversation with Jada Pinkett Smith. How is reflecting on your life and writing it all down, What? how is that experience? Daunting. <laughs> It was daunting, honestly. And, um, you know, some some parts were easier to write than others. But I have to tell you, it, it's been really cathartic as well, just kind of being able to look at my whole life on paper. It's just like, whoa, it's not even my whole life. It's just like this one line of like my journey from lack of self-worth to feeling worthy. It was a hell of a task. Some of those early days um, really stick out to me. We'll talk a little bit about Baltimore, where you grew up. You write that as a young girl, both of your parents had serious drug addictions, and you refer to yourself, and I love this, as the blessed child of two addicts. That's tough for anyone to deal with, much less much less a child. What, what do you remember feeling at that time? Oh, you know, it's it's um, lots of different feelings, you know, through, through different stages of, of my childhood. But I think the overall... Uh, feeling was that I wasn't important enough or I wasn't a priority, you know, as much of a priority as as maybe my parents' addiction 
And um, so I think that messaging at a young age really played a part in my level of my feelings around not feeling worthy. Right. I understand. Like, we, we are raised to believe that children are supposed to be the center of their of their parents' lives. And when you're not the center of your parents' life, and, and something quite harmful for them is, you go through life wondering, what's wrong with me? And spending a lot of time just trying to prove your self-worth and that you're lovable, that you're worthy of love. And I did a lot of that, too. You end up in, enrolling in the in the Baltimore School for the Arts, you know, very prestigious, you know, uh, uh, well written about institution, and in there you start writing about your uh, new friendship with, I mean, with Tupac Shakur. You know, to someone like me who was born in the late '80s is like a mythical figure that we just listened to it at, at lunch, you know, in school. <laughs> and and I love the way you write about him as just this kid you knew in in class. He's one of the most dynamic people I ever met. Come on, come on. I see no changes. Wake up in the morning and I ask myself, is life worth living? Should I blast myself? I'm tired of being poor and even worse, I'm black. My stomach hurts, so I'm looking for a purse to snatch. He was such a charismatic, um, Pac just kind of, you know, he had this energy that he walked with. He was just so likable and so charming and so dynamic and so funny and smart and everybody loved Pac. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting friendship because I think I went in knowing, like, again, like a lot of this is like the narrative I get about Jada versus the actual story. Right. It's an interesting friendship you guys have because it's a very deep that, but it's a friendship. Right, it's a friendship. And, and I, that was one of the things that I was really happy to be able to clarify since everybody thinks, you know, there was a romantic dynamic between us, um, but there wasn't. You know, just the idea that a man and a woman can't be close in that way without romance. And trust and believe me, Pac and I were just as confused at times, you know, because, um, you know, being young, we both were just like, what is this? How come, you know? This kind of chemistry is not here between us, and we have this like intense connection, but it just it just wasn't. Can you tell the story of the sort of foreshadowing lip sync? The foreshadowing lip sync, which you know one? what I mean by that? You know the lip sync you guys do, the two you guys do that I feel like foreshadows to the rest of your entire life, Jada. Maybe maybe that one. <laughs> oh yeah, the one at King's Dominion. My mother and her, her boyfriend at the time, who's now her husband, Rodney, um, took us to an amusement park. And listen, this is like MTV days. We see this pop-up booth where it's like, you can create your own music video. And I'm like, Pac, we gotta do a video. <laughs> and he's looking at the list of people and he's like, but there's there's really nobody here, you know, that we can do. And I'm like, uh-uh, here's DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. You know, parents are the same no matter time, no place. They don't understand that us kids are going to make some mistakes. So to you other kids all across the land, there's no need to argue. Parents just don't understand. He was like, but do you know the words? And I'm like, we know, we know enough to do this video. And he's like, I don't know the words. I'm like, pop. 
you know the words. Come on, we're gonna do this video. So finally, he um, just kind of surrenders. And who knew that I would end up marrying the Fresh Prince and that Pac would go off to be this dynamic, you know, global, iconic rap star. And, and you would go on yourself. I mean, you, you moved to Hollywood oh, yeah. to pursue acting. I got to talk to De- Debbie Allen not that long ago, maybe like maybe like seven or eight years ago. And it was lovely to hear you write about her in, in, in this book. For those who don't know, you do this audition for Debbie Allen for a role on, on A Different World. It was just for a small part. And then she ends up creating a character based on your story. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so I, I went into a different. I went to audition for a guest starring role of a um, student who had HIV, and she, after my audition, she was like, "I want to know more about you. Tell me about your life." And so I tell her where I'm from, and and I, you know, after I'm done, I'm like, "I'm going to be the next Debbie Allen," <laughs> and she cracked up. She just thought that was the funniest thing. And um, we're going back and forth. And she said, you know, I'm not going to give you the guest star role. And I'm like, oh, no, she says, but I'm going to have you come on Different World as a uh, series regular. Now, Yolanda, you're my girl. Okay, understand that I'm here just trying to get an education. All right. I'd rather be here than out on the corner doing absolutely nothing, ending up with a city job. I mean, to have someone that I had looked up to for my arts career at that time. I mean, Debbie Allen was the the one to become. I mean, she was a director, a singer, a dancer, an actress, producer. She could do it all. And I was like, I want to do that. And then to be seen by her was just everything. You have a a great ability in in this book to hold a lot of competing or complex feelings at the same time. In particular, the way to hold respect, love, and critique at the same time. That comes up a couple of times. It comes up when you call out Easy e from NWA for his depiction of, of women in hip-hop at a panel by which you're the only woman on it. I was telling him that before I met him today, I would have thought that he was a woman hater because of his music that he writes, hmm. you know, and that he owning his own record company can make a change mm-hmm. starting from there within his community to uplift us. There's love and respect for the art form and for the man, but critique of the work. And that comes up when this man that we've been talking about the entire time now, Tupac, you write about the conflicted feelings you had um, when he had his conviction of, of sexual abuse. You write, the most potent love language for me has always been the language of protection. You show up for each other even when doing so comes at a cost. How do you approach holding all of all of these things at the same time? I think for me, understanding specifically, um, you know, let's take African-American community out of it. And let's just talk about the perspective of men and women. Right. And understanding that our experiences can be very different at times. Right. Now, when I add on the complexity of the African-American male experience and the African-American female experience that we were all dealing with at that time, which in itself has its own really complex issues. It's me having compassion 
and understanding around the idea that it's not black and white and dealing with um, those particular issues at that time. Um, And as a woman and as being a friend of these two men, I just felt like that's part of what we have to do is have these difficult conversations in order to get to place of really reconciling these two different perspectives that also come with a lot of wound, a lot of wounds. Speaking of challenging things to talk about, I didn't think, and I don't know what this says about me, but when I got your book, I didn't know or I didn't think you were going to talk about the Oscars. Really? That's interesting. Well, Jada, it was, it's the biggest news story of the past, you know? But I thought, I bet she's going to try and avoid avoid talking about it. Oh, no, there's no way. That, that's been a, a, a huge part of the journey. I'm Tom Power. You're in the middle of my conversation with Jada Pinkett-Smith. My guess is this is the part of the interview that you've been waiting for, where Jada talks about that Oscars moment. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. <laughs> the- Wow, dude. Yes. It was a G.I. Jane jump. So listen, before we get into it, I want to provide some context here. So in 2016, Jada was one of the many people who called out the Academy Awards for nominating mostly white actors. The host of the Oscars that year was Chris Rock. Jada will tell you it wasn't the first time he poked fun at her. She'll also talk about an episode of her talk show. Her talk show is called Red Table Talk, where she and Will Smith publicly address Jada's involvement, or as she calls it, entanglement with another man and the sort of public narrative that came from that. Anyway, I just wanted to give you some context. Here's more of my conversation with Jada Pinkett Smith. When you look back on it now, what are the feelings that come up when you remember being in that chair that night? First of all, I was really confused because as I talk about in the book, Will and I hadn't called each other husband and wife since 2016. Um, And I wasn't there as his wife, even though the world didn't know that, right? Because we hadn't been together. Um, And then I was like, oh, Will's in trouble. Something's not right. Something has gone really awry. It, it, It was so out of character. Um, and I was, I, I was, I was at a loss. I I didn't know what, what was happening. Um, and so I just had to really ground myself and just pay attention. Um, but yeah, I was just confused. I was as confused as everybody else. It was interesting to see, because I think you had the same reaction we all did, which was, and I, I couldn't believe that you had this reaction too. Is this a sketch? Did yes. Chris Rock and Will Smith coordinate this for for a joke? Yeah, because, you know, Will had been going back and forth backstage all night. And so when he first walked up, I said, oh, did he not tell me that he saw Chris and they're doing this sketch? Oh, wow, this is this is crazy, right? And then when Will swung, I thought Chris slipped the shot because from my angle... From where I was sitting, it didn't look like Will had made any contact at all. Um, 
And so, and then when Chris was still standing, I was positive he didn't make any contact at all because I had seen Will in the ring and knock down professional fighters, right? Um, so I was like, oh, this is a skip, but this is weird. Like, what's going on? You know, what's happening? And then when Will turned around, I was like, wait a minute, something is wrong. This is this is not something's very wrong here. The reaction to the joke that Chris um, makes about you becomes like a meme, becomes a, a, a gift, the eye roll after he makes the joke about G.I. Jane. Um, I should acknowledge to people listening to this who don't know that you, you live with alopecia. Do you think with the eye roll, people missed what you were actually annoyed about? Clearly. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I think... Because uh, because Chris and I had buried our hatchet over 2016, um, I was just like, are we doing this again? That was number one, like, oh, here we go. And then I was just like, really, alopecia? Like, you know, the way that, and it wasn't about me. I'm going to be okay. I'm used to, like, I'm used to that. But the idea of making a joke around a condition that people have no control over. And I had heard some of the most heartbreaking stories of people who have kids who have committed suicide because of alopecia and how it was okay to, you know, make this joke about this health condition. I, I, I was just beside myself. And at that time, I just, I didn't feel like faking it. I just didn't think it, I, I, I wasn't okay with that. And I, my guess is you didn't think that that eye roll that you didn't think about, you know, my guess is there's no way of thinking that this eye roll that you give is going to lead to to what transpired afterwards. Well, I, I surely didn't think that, right? Yeah. And I think that a lot of assumptions were made, you know, because of, you know, look, to be, you know, just frank and transparent, you know, that red table, the entanglement table that I had and I pretty much left myself on the side of the road. Um, you know, Will and I were not together, had not been together. Um, we had both gone our separate ways. Will was very clear that, um, you know, I was in a different situation. Um, but I took on, you know, this kind of false narrative of being the adulterous wife. So I think that and that I had forced Will to come to the table. You know what I mean? It was like all of these kind of ideas that I think, you know, assisted in all the assumptions that were made. And honestly, I do have to take some responsibility in regards to my participation in that. I'm not saying that it's right, but I do have to take some responsibility. In, in, in responsibility for what? Well, just in regards to the assumptions that people made that I had forced Will to go to, you know, to slap Chris. Um, now, let's talk about all the ideas that women are always the reason why men do, you know, <laughs> unsavory things, you know, that it's our fault. Right. That's a different discussion. And that's a very valid discussion. But I also have to realize, you know, that disservice, you know, um, to myself 
that started at that table. And I tell you what, um, that's not to say that that it wouldn't have had the same reaction. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's say the table didn't happen. That's not to say that I still, you know, wouldn't have been blamed. I probably would have still been blamed even if the table didn't happen. But, you know, in me looking at it and my own personal growth um, and looking at taking my power back. And I always look at, hmm, where was your part in this? You know, so and that's just me. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there were. I remember the talk being, because, man, Jaden, no one knew what had happened. And I remember there was this narrative that, like, I bet she told him to go up there. You yeah. know? Yeah, and she she put some, you know, she used her little evil temptress eye roll, you know, <laughs> to get him up there. And, you know, like I said in the book, I'm like, man, if I had any kind of control over him, you know, my, the last three decades of this marriage would have been very different. We'd probably be in the mountains somewhere chopping wood, you know, living in isolation. <laughs> yeah. You say like, if it was, if I knew, I can't remember what you write, but you were like, if I, if you're asking me why Will Smith slapped Chris Rock in the face, I don't have the like I don't have the therapeutic background or the legal background to be able to answer that. Oh question. yeah, that that's when I said that well that's when I was really just talking about there's just a lot of history there. A lot of history there between yeah. the two of them that they that's for them to share and figure out. Everything good now though? Everything Everything as far as what? <laughs> I don't know, Which Jada. Part? I don't I... <laughs> 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 you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm good. You know, Will and I are great. And I think that, you know, like I talk about in the book, these circumstances can either amplify love or deteriorate it. And I have to say, that particular evening brought Will and I closer. We'll be right back. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favorite song in his entire catalog, Here, There, and Everywhere. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen, I appreciate you talking to me about all that stuff. I know it's not easy. It couldn't have been easy to write about or, or easy to talk about either. And, and I should acknowledge that the book is about, about so much more than just that night. You know, it's about the journey that you have been on and your acting and, and the sort of the spiritual journey that you've been on to sort of learn your self-worth and your experience with like um, mental health and, and, and self-compassion. Let me ask this because I know we're, we're out of time. When you look back on a book about your own life, what's the biggest lesson you learn? I'm going to look back on a book. You know, when you, I think... When you read the book, yeah. 
Yeah, I think for me, the idea that embrace it all, you know, things are always working for us and not against us. And every aspect of our journey, even the ones that, you know, those moments that are in the mud, those moments that are in the thick of the thorns and are bloody and, you know, gross, um, they're worthy moments. We have to learn how to embrace those aspects of our humanness that so many of us go, yeah, you know, it's like we are human beings who have such disdain for humanness. And I think that we all have to do a better job at learning how to love that particular aspect of ourselves and the aspects of our journeys that reflect those particular parts of ourselves. All right, that's it for this episode of of Q. Still catches me off guard that, um, I don't know, that was just such a big story. That was such a big story, and everyone was talking about it, and everyone continues to talk about it. And I couldn't believe that Jada Pinkett Smith was just sitting there going like, yeah, ask me whatever you want, I'll answer it. And she answered, you just heard she answered everything. She answered everything. And I, I, there's already a lot of online chatter that we're doing this interview and that we've done this interview. But I hope when you listen to that, you just hear you hear her side of the story. And I'm really grateful to Jada for coming on and, and telling it. The other uh, conversation we have up today, I was saying this in the I say this in the radio version of the show. He might be the most famous person we've had on the show if you're under six years old. Ron Pardo is the voice of uh, Mayor Humdinger in Paw Patrol. In order to do this interview, I had to watch my first Paw Patrol anything. I saw the, I saw the movie. It's kind of like seeing Trainspotting 2 before you see Trainspotting, to be fair. You know, you should probably... I probably should have binged it before I went in to see the movie anyway, so I can get an idea of the, of the character's arc. Anyway, Ron Pardo, is, he's the great voice actor interview because he does voices the whole time, and it's just a joy. All right, uh, go check that out. We'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.